Yo, what's going on? Welcome to The Audible, presented by Verizon. My name is Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network, alongside Ben Lieber and with Verizon 5G, built right for the Vikings, Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. This is the penultimate episode of The Audible, Ben, and we have done 16 of these shows, and we have one more left, and tonight we have Michael Pierce as our guest, Um, a guy that Played a few games early on in the season, then missed seven or eight games, and now he's back. And we saw the, the film cut up that Brian Baldinger did about Michael Pierce basically saying he's an elite defensive tackle. And when you turn on the film the past couple of games, teams are running away from him. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that's been pretty disappointing, I think, from his injury standpoint. is that when he's been in the game, geez, he's good. Yeah. You know, he's, our defense just looks, be- looks better and looks different. And... Um, and he's, you know, Baldinger's correct in his assessment that he's an elite run stopper. He, he takes up and plugs up both A gaps whenever he's in there. He always draws a double team, which helps out the linebackers. And then, you know, he's, he's told us before, you know, we had him on the show earlier that, you know, his pass rushing has gotten so much better, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Andre Patterson. And that's one thing that he challenged himself with. He prides himself on now more so, uh, and, and along with being a run stopper, is he's not a one-dimensional guy. Mm-hmm. Now, now we see him a lot more now as a rotational guy, even on third down, because yeah. there's not a lot of centers out there that can take on <laughs> his power and then have to you know, work around his quickness with his hands. We know this L.A. Rams game on Sunday, we didn't do a good job of stopping the run. Granted, a lot of those runs came from outside zone or cutback plays in which um, if you're not a, if you're not disciplined, it, it turns into some 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 gashes down the field. And the LA Rams eight runs of seven plus yards or more, and it looked like at at one point in the game that we were going to win the game. Uh, Matt Stafford threw three interceptions. We had back to back interceptions on two back to back defensive drives, but eventually it started running the ball again, and we just couldn't make enough plays to win the game. There's always some key metrics when you look at wins and losses and what's going to give you the best probability to win. And, you know, one of those things is takeaways, you know, yeah. the, the turnover ratio. And, you know, they got, you know, they got one on us and then they had the punt return, which I'll you know, basically put as a, as, a, as a takeaway for them. Yeah. You know, we still ended up on the plus column of that ratio. And that should be enough at home to help you win the game. Yeah. Time of possession was about equal, but then the other metric is third down. You yep. know, third down. You know, they offensively were fifty percent. You know, we were what two of twelve. Two of twelve, and and a lot of those were you know seven yards or longer. So you know, there there are important metrics. It's not always you're not always going to hit every single one, but we hit you know some important ones. And then you know the other important one, third one, third down, we didn't do very well at all. So it just shows you why it is a team game. It's a three phase game. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, a ball off of KJ's, KJ's hands that could be a difference. It's, you know, getting a stop on a punt that could be the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we are put in this position with this football team, with the Vikings football team, that it comes down to a play or two every game yeah. or a decision by the coach every game. Yeah. It's been that close, and yeah. this was another one of those heartbreaking losses. I remember tweeting out earlier in the game, probably the first drive of the game, that when playing against a Rams team, you can't leave plays out on the field. And there were four plays, in my opinion, that was left out on the field. The, the red zone interception that Kirk threw that you're talking about that bounced off of uh, K.J. Osborne's hands. And then Cameron Dantzler, the missed interception that he had on the first drive of the game. Mm-hmm. They go down to score on that drive. That's, that's a seven-point uh, swing right there. And then the punt return touchdown. And then I hate putting the game in the ref's hands. 
but the missed fumble that uh, Cameron Dantzler had on Cooper Cup. Like those were four plays right there that you say, okay, on top of those three interceptions that we had on defense, these are four plays right here that could literally that literally changed the entire momentum of the game. Um, we're, we're driving down, we're getting some momentum, and then we punt the ball and they score a punt return. Or, you know, we get a drive down the field on the first drive of the game and then, boom, an interception in the red zone. And uh, we go three straight possessions of three and outs after that. Like, not being able to sustain momentum, in my opinion, was one of the the key factors to why we didn't end up on top Sunday. Yeah, and I'll add one in on that as well. When when Anthony Barr got that first interception off an outstanding rush by Armand Watts Mm -hmm. right up the middle to beat the center, uh, we get the ball in a great situation inside the red zone. And the play that was called, that first pass play, that very first play in which we took a sack, Conklin was wide open in the middle of the field. And it looked like to me that's exactly where Kirk was looking to go with the ball. And he just needed a, a half a half a second longer, just a half a beat to get that ball off. You know, I'll, I can put that as another missed opportunity because yeah. – all you needed was one guy on the inside to make a little bit better block. It didn't even have to be clean, just mm-hmm. a little bit longer. And conceptually, we beat their defense. Yeah. And I'm pretty confident that Kirk was going to make that easy throw and Tyler was going to make that easy catch and most likely you know, take that ball into the end zone. So um, that's, that's how frustrating some of these losses are. It comes down to you know, one guy yeah. or, you know, one situation. And, and the, other, the other frustrating thing that I think is you should never, never let a return on special teams happen. Yeah. You have, on, on the punt team, you have 10 guys that are trained to go down there and catch one guy. Mm-hmm. And then you have your punter who should be your last, last line, line of defense. Of defense. Yep. Even if everything breaks down and they get all their blocks, um, those are the ones that just rip your heart out. And believe me, I playing against Devin Hester, we've we've given <laughs> I myself have given up, you know, a couple of punt return touchdowns. Um, but I know how demoralizing they are because it's it's one guy basically against ten, and right. you still can't pull it off. Yeah, and you look at it from we always hear defenses say after they get a pick six, they're tired and they got to go back on the field. But after you get um, two, three, and outs, and then <laughs> you punt the ball and they score again, you're back on offense, and it's yeah. just like. Oh shoot! We got to do this again. Try to try to get yeah. sustain a drive right here again. But ultimately, the Vikings lose. They fall to seven and eight on the season and no longer control. We don't control the, the, our destiny when it comes to the playoffs. Granted, we are a half game back of Philadelphia, who plays the Washington Football Team this upcoming Sunday, and then Dallas next week. Yeah, we hope they lose a game, but still, we have to win out in order for any of this playoff hope, any of this playoff picture, to be alive. We have the team to do it. It's just, can they go to Lambeau on Sunday night football in primetime and shock the world? Well, that's the biggest thing to me is, and we can't, we, you and I sitting here, we can't decipher that. Yeah. Internally within the locker room, do these guys feel like they have the confidence to do it? I, I would agree with what some of the players said after this last game with the Rams, that it didn't feel like they had the energy and the juice uh, it certainly did, you couldn't feel that within the stadium, and that's not the fans' fault. The yeah. fans, I don't care if the fans show up and don't say a word. You as a player have to bring your own juice. You know, It, it helps. Now, don't get me wrong. It helps when you're pulling up to the stadium and you see the, uh, the pandemonium and all the, all the fans outside getting ready and getting hyped. Like, it, it does juice you up. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It helps. 
but you shouldn't be expecting that to get yourself going. You've got to get yourself going. That's the thing. Can you take that energy that you didn't have on a game that was super important into a game that is the ultimate importance if you care about going to the playoffs and trying to make a run? That's for them to answer. I, I hope to goodness that on primetime football on Sunday night, those guys show up to Lambeau Field and, and they bring a lot more energy than they did last week. If you don't have energy going into this Green Bay Packers game at Lambeau on primetime Sunday night football, I think it's going to be the coldest game in Vikings-Packer border battle history. It's supposed to be like zero, right? At yeah, kickoff? I, think, I think by game by game time, by kickoff, it'll be right around zero. You don't have that heading into Sunday. I, I really don't know what to tell you, but I know a, I know one guy that does have that energy and he's our guest coming up on the show. Michael Pierce, the juggernaut. Stay tuned for our guest of the week, Michael Pierce on the Audible presented by Verizon. It's football season at Mystic Lake with Vikings drawings, inner casino and digital drawings for prizes like season tickets, away game trips in an ice castle fish house. Get details and enter now at mysticlake.com slash Vikings. All right, welcome back to The Audible presented by Verizon. Gabe Henderson here, Michael Pierce in the middle of the screen. Good to have you back on. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Thank you guys for having me. You know how the, the format of the show goes. We, we start with a trivia question. And I remember um, the last time you were on this show, you said you were a BJ Raji fan, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so we got a, we got a BJ Raji question because it's Packers week. You ready? Okay. How many career touchdowns does he have? I'll say four. Dang. Four? I mean, they threw him some passes, like like Warren Sapp kind of, like fullback kind of stuff. Is it three or four? It's neither. Two? Oh, okay. Did he not catch a pick and score one time and they threw him a pass? So he did. Ben, you remember when that pick was, Ben? Yeah, he he did have a pick six in 2010 versus Chicago in the NFC Championship game. Hmm. And then he had only one more. It was a one-yard... Pass. Scamper, scamper against uh, Tampa Bay in 2011. So okay. they probably threw the ball to him. They probably used him in that capacity, but apparently either the play didn't work or he dropped it or whatever. But you mm. probably remember him going out for more pass routes, but he didn't catch him. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I keep that in my back pocket. All right. So, so the question is now: If you played offense, what position would you play? Uh, probably fullback, or okay. I'll probably say fullback or like guard. Obviously, guard, because that should be easy for me. Okay. But um, fullback, I played fullback in college. I scored oh, wow. three or four touchdowns. So Really? Yeah, I was pretty effective. <laughs> pretty effective. 100% on fourth and ones. Scored like three <laughs> or four touchdowns. So I was decent. Short yardage for sure. Probably not the stuff that our fullback does, CJ Ham. But uh, old school football, I'll probably for sure play fullback. <laughs> So I've actually wondered about that because uh, in the game the other day, the Minnesota Gophers game, Daniel Falele, the big, you know, six, 380, nine yeah. Yeah, six, nine, 380 pound guy, got a, a, a one yard, two yard plunge in the end zone as well. But when you were doing that in college, how often would you practice that? Like how many reps would you actually get to, to receive the handoff and go through those plays? Uh, maybe like twice in yeah. a week. But, um, you know, as long as you get a clean handoff, it's just about leg drive. And, you know, as long as the O-line gets the push, you can probably – you can squeeze out a yard. So, uh, no, nah, we ain't practicing too much. But, um, you know, once they figure out you can do it, they kind of just trust you to go ahead and do it. So, uh, yeah, not much, but uh, I was pretty effective. 
Hey, Mike, you, you strike me as a guy that would spike the ball after he scores a touchdown, no? For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so, okay, if it happened now and you scored a touchdown with the Vikings, like, would you gritty? Like, what would be the touchdown dance? Uh, for the risk of not doing it properly, I probably would not gritty. Uh, I like my belly rub. That's my little signature thing. Um, that'll, that'll probably be it in a spike for sure. But, um, nah, I, I can't gritty, bro. I ain't even, <laughs> I've never tried. I probably never will. I'll leave that to them boys. For some reason, I feel like I don't believe you when you said you never tried to gritty. I feel like we all been in the house by ourselves at some point and just try to pat our feet a little bit. You know, there's, there's a, a Fat Joe song that say, gangsters don't dance. I'm one of them people. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't do too much of that, dog. I don't do too much of that. I think it's fascinating whenever you guys make a play, especially for defensive guys, because Look, you know, sometimes like, you know, interceptions, fumble recovers don't always happen as much as like the skill position guys on offense. But you guys always know where the TV cameras are. Like, is it, are you guys looking for those things pregame or what? Like you guys celebrate and I've seen, I've seen not, maybe not you guys specifically, but I've seen defensive guys run 50, 60, 70 yards plus all the way down the other end zone just to do their like, you know, their, you know, their posing and their mean mugging and whatever, like. You guys are like magnets to these TV cameras now. I'd say it's like a DB linebacker thing. Most D linemen, if you're not close to the end zone, they probably not going to make that trip all the way down there. Especially once you go past 40 yards, you know, I'm going to salute you and I'm going to meet you on the sideline. I'll show you love when you get to the bench, bro. I ain't, I ain't running 60, 70 yards. And then if you score, you got to like come back out on the field. That's so I, I tend to be smart in those situations. But like I said, if it's below 40 yards, I'll meet you down there. If it ain't, hey, I'll catch you on the sideline. <laughs> I just remember that that one sack you had in Cincinnati where you ran. It's probably 10 to 15 yards. That was a mistake. Salute. <laughs> it that was, was a, mistake. a big mistake. I was dying. It was hot back then, too. I was dying, yeah. So, nah, um, that was a mistake, but that was like raw emotion. So, you know, you get caught up in it. I did not make it all the way to the end zone, if you do remember. So, um, nah, I, uh, yeah, I was hurt after that one. So, kind of cut it down after that, bro. I get it. Is there any shame at all in going to the sidelines after some of those moments and grabbing the oxygen mask and huffing and puffing on that thing? You feel- yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. For me, I, I can't. I don't want to be a meme on the internet. I've, I've done pretty well at not being a meme so far <laughs> in my career. So uh, I've seen some guys. I know they got Linval one time with the shades and the oxygen mask. <laughs> they did. Um, I, I try to avoid that one. Memes have been like the 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 new wave now, and it's probably I feel like it it, it heightened more when when the COVID nineteen pandemic hit because we were all home. Of course, we know you didn't play last year, but now that 2021 is coming to an end, I know you said 2020 not being able to play, you, you learned patience. You learned a lot a lot of things that you didn't know before you took the year off of football. 2021, though, what were some things that you learned from this year? Um, just as, like, how much I've grown, like, even sitting out uh, a year. Um, just, you know, Dre trusted me and me just trying stuff that I never had the, you know, freedom or, you know, to do and uh, the Raven scheme and um, just the, how much of an impact I can make on the game. So um, whether it's not always getting sacks, I only got three, but I got a lot of more, a lot more pressures than I ever had in my career and um, just trying to be a better leader. And that's something that I've been working on this year, definitely being one of the older guys in our room and Griff going down and Daniil going down. So um, no, it's just me being a leader, me progressing in my career and um, just putting my all out for this team. But um no, definitely learned patience this year. I definitely learned perseverance this year and uh, just grit and, you know, 
when I'm out there, no matter if I'm 85%, 100%, whatever the case may be, when the helmet goes on, I'm full go and I'm, I'm letting it turn it loose. That leadership component of it, you know, sometimes there is like a little bit of a hierarchy, especially in the NFL, where when you're a young guy, you're not really looked at as a leader. And it's almost like that, that unspoken rule of like, hey, you don't speak unless you're spoken to sort of thing. When, when you became sort of the, one of the veteran guys in the locker room, and especially in the D-line room, was it, is it work for you to be vocal and kind of you know, show that leadership style? Or has it always kind of been in you, but kind of been like held back because of this sort of hierarchical uh, approach to the locker room? Yeah, that's definitely a hierarchy. And uh, I keep saying this, I didn't get drafted coming out. So it's really, I was told probably my first, first two weeks in, in the business, like it's better to be seen than be heard. So uh, I took that to heart. I just stayed on my grind. Um, I've learned from some tremendous leaders in my career. Played with Eric Weddle, Terrell Suggs, Elvis Dumaville, CJ Mosley. list goes on and on. And uh, I just learned from those guys. And uh, I've always been a, a, a talkative guy, a fun guy. Um, I just love the game and just try to have fun as much as I can. But especially coming in that classroom, like, that's where, you know, we got to hark down on, you know, the guys who've been there, been accountable, know exactly what's going on with those leadership roles. So. Uh, like James, my, my understudy, I take him under my wing. He has like grown leaps and bounds. And that's something I take pride in, but you know, obviously it's up to him to work and apply everything that, you know, Dre teaches him and the little things I give him. But, um, no, I, I enjoy it, man. Uh, so much so that I'm, I'm thinking about coaching. But, um, no, nah, just me being under Dre and, um, you know, taking a leadership role and, you know, trying to be the best player I can be, not only for myself, but for my teammates and, you know, I got guys like James and Armand and, you know, Dalvin is a vet in itself. So, uh, nah, just trying to keep those guys under my wing and give them little tidbits. And it's just, it was a wonder to watch them succeed, especially when I was out. So, um, it was awesome. Man, you talk about Coach Dre. We all know the, the leader that he is, not only in the defensive line room, but just in this entire building. His, his energy just, just vibrates through this entire building. And what was that like, not well, knowing that, you know, he wasn't on the sideline, you didn't have that, that extra ear, I mean, that extra guy in your ear when you came to the bench? Uh, first and foremost, Amar J did an amazing job, especially under those circumstances. Um, our rotations were crisp. Our, just the way he ran the game, I think he did an amazing job. But uh, anytime you lose a coach that, you know, I don't know if he'll go in the Hall of Fame, but to me, when you produce all the talent that he has and just see the guys who flourish under him, um, you lose a guy like that, that's going to be felt regardless. So, right. um, you know, he did as best he can, like from the Zoom calls and everything, just instilling, you know, I've taught you guys everything that you need to know, and it's time to apply it. Um, you know, we didn't do nearly as well as we hoped. But, um, you know, it, it's rough anytime you lose a guy like that. Um, just because he's seen everything in 28 years of coaching. There's nothing he hadn't seen. There's nothing that he can't draw up or, you know, fix in the blink of an eye. So, um, nah, man, um, it's hard when you lose that kind of, uh, that caliber of coach. But um, at the end of the day, it's up to us to execute regardless. Unfortunately, we, we did not do that. But I think Amarjay did really well for his first, first program coaching. And, and I did want to ask you about that, the execution piece on defense, specifically against the run. And you guys have had a chance now to, to watch the film. You digested it. You've, you've moved on to the Green Bay Packers. But I did just want to take a little bit of a re rewind and just get your perspective on kind of what, you know, what happened, I guess, in the, in the Rams game as far as the run game. You guys knew that they had the capability of running the ball. They're more of a pass-first offense, but they did want to focus on the run game some. And, uh, and they definitely had that with you guys at points in time. So... 
Kind of where did it go wrong with you guys in the run game against the Rams? To fans, it may seem like a simplified answer, but one guy out of their place or one guy not fitting something properly or not seeing something the same way as everybody else or vice versa makes a difference. So if you watch that film, you'll see like a lot of those runs cut back. So it'll, it'll start off front side and then they'll find a gap backside. So whether a guy, you know, peaks in the wrong gap, gets walled off, you know, has bad hands or whatever the case may be, that's costly, man. And uh, it's something that we've been working on. You know, we'll fix it uh, every few weeks and then we'll have a, a, a rough game like we did this week. So um, ultimately it's about just discipline, you know, executing the call that's called and, you know, everybody playing together. And, you know, we've had a lot of injuries. I don't believe in any, you know, excuses or anything like that. But, you know, you've seen it in Chicago when everybody plays together everybody's hitting on the same cylinders you can put a game together like that where they don't run for anything and then you know same thing in the passing game so um unfortunately you know through 14 15 weeks we've been spotty on everybody being on the same page and that's something that you know thankfully we got a chance still at the playoffs but that's something that when you go against Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers you gotta be on on your A game so um that's what we are expecting of ourselves and that's what we're working on this week at least the past couple of weeks, you've seen teams running to the outside. So is that more respect for like you guys, you and Dalvin in the middle being able to get penetration? Or how do you look at that from a defensive lineman when when the, the scheme for the offense is to run it away from the big guys in the middle? I, I take it as a as a compliment, but at the end of the day, I'm a part I'm a one eleventh. So I'm one of eleven. And if they run for one hundred forty yards where it's up the middle, around the end, cutting back an A, B gap, whatever the case may be, uh, I don't feel good about it. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, my job is to set the tone, be responsible for my gap. But again, as a leader in this defense and on this team, um, I, it doesn't really matter to me which gap they're running in. It's just the fact that, you know, they've gained way too many yards for us to be successful and us to win. So, um, nah, man, it's about, you know, if I'm in the middle, flatten it out to where our ends or our backers can get to the point where they can make a TFL. So there's always something that you can do better. Um, I know people say that a lot, but I truly believe that. And um, no, man, we got, we got, we got our work cut out for us again this week. Yeah. And, you know, either way it goes, uh, Saturday, Sunday night is going to prove to be what it is. So um, no, we're going to, we're hoping everybody steps up and, you know, we can get back on that same page, especially with these last two games and the playoffs at stake. Playoff football that starts on Sunday, but before we get there, we got another segment with you. You, you, you stand around, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm here, man. We'll be right back with more from Michael Pierce on the Audible presented by Verizon. All right, we're back. This is the Audible. Michael Pierce is here. Ben Lieber is here. My name is Gabe Henderson. Uh, Mike, after the Bears game, you tweeted, uh, when I tore apart of my tricep early in the season, I thought my season wouldn't be anything worth mentioning. Mentally, how did you get past that hurdle of missing those few games and then coming back and picking it back up where you left off at? Just having the right people around me. So um, first off, it starts with Eric Sugarman, uh, Dave, and the rest of the training staff. Just, you know, obviously not letting me, you know, be in a funk, if you will. So, uh, no, nah, man, it's just being around the team, uh, having a great training staff, and them pushing me every day, and uh, me just wanting to literally get back on the field especially with the year I had before. So, um, nah, man, it was just a whole bunch of people, you know, obviously 
uplifting me, Coach Dre, Amar J, my teammates, um, the training staff, just telling me, hey, whenever you're, whenever you're healthy, we know the kind of player you can be. We know the kind of impact you can be. Just got to get your, get your arm back straight and um, we'll roll from there. So, uh, you know, it took seven weeks for it to get to where I can play. But um, when I stepped back on that field, I, I've had a good impact. I play really well. So um, just got to continue to do that. But nah, first and foremost, shout out to our training staff and, you know, our team. Because when you're in that training room each and every day for seven weeks, seven days a week, that it can it can be draining for sure. But um, no, nah, they kept me in good spirits. The tr- weight staff kept me in kept me strong and kept me in shape so I didn't have any issues coming back and I'm thankful to all of them for that. I just want to touch on that again because I, th- I think it's important for the fans to kind of understand I think sometimes when it comes to these these muscle injuries especially when there's let's say a hamstring injury with the, if anybody's had a hamstring injury and I'm going to guess that your tricep was kind of the same thing where you're going to get to a point where it does feel good and you're like no nah, man I feel good like I, I'm, I'm going to go out and let, let's try this and then you go out to try something and you're like uh, yeah, this is this is not good. You know, just can you kind of maybe take us through that roller coaster of recovery of like your body's telling you one thing, the strength may be not there. It's like you think that you're going to take two steps forward one day, but you take a step back. You know, just this that whole recovery process and how it goes up and down. You never know how important a body part is until it doesn't function properly, mm-hmm. and that's like the case with like rolled ankles, hamstrings, triceps, and you know me playing nose guard. You know, my legs and my, my my lower body is a big part of my job, but me, you know, jolting linemen back, throwing people, getting to the ball carries, all that stuff, you need your triceps just as much as anything else. So, um, no, nah, man, it's, it was probably like three weeks after, before I went on IR, I was like, all right, I'm feeling good. I can start lifting weights again. You know, the stuff in the training room got easier. And I was like, man, I just need to give it a go. I need to give it a go. I need to give it a go. And, um, you know, I went out to practice and I found out, Probably in the first 10 minutes, I was nowhere near ready to play football. So, um, no, nah, man, it's, it's, and that really hit me really hard. And uh, that's when I went on IR and, you know, I had to sit out three, three consecutive games or three weeks, however that, however that fell because of the bye week. But, um, no, nah, man, I, I gave it a go and I really, you, you really know, you know, you out there with grown men, you in the trenches. If your triceps are not working properly, it's going to tell on you. And, uh, you know, I was apprehensive to use that practice the first two periods. And when Coach Dre said, Mike, we can't let you play unless you use your arm. I went out there and tried to use it. And I was like, okay, that hurt a lot. <laughs> uh, I probably should not be out here. So, um, nah, man, it was it was an up and down process, obviously, especially when I had to go on IR. Never been on IR. I don't think I've ever missed more than, I think it was one season I missed two games. Other than that, I've, I've been healthy. So, um, you know. That was a roller coaster ride for sure, but um, you know, it'd be days where you feel great and you get out there and it's not there, and then it's days you don't, and then it'll surprise you. So um, now nah, by the time I got to Detroit, we had tested out at practice, and uh, for the first quarter, I said I was apprehensive, uh, just just turning it loose. But um, Coach Dre gave me a little little pep talk. He's like, "You're gonna be out there. I need the juggernaut." So uh, I started to play well after that. But um, anytime your muscles don't function. It's an um, it's a trying time, and you know this foot this game of football will tell on you in a heartbeat if you're not healthy enough to play. All right, you you brought up your nickname, the Juggernaut. We all know you as Michael Pierce. Uh, earlier this year, you were like when you put the helmet on, that's when the Juggernaut uh, appears to to the field. So as the Juggernaut, as a, a run stopping defensive tackle or nose tackle, however you want to uh, look at it, what do you pride yourself on most? 
Um, me, just being the, the strongest, the most physical guy on the field each and every Sunday. So for me, it's not only enough to, you know, do that for my team, but what gets me going too, especially like in this conference, we got like Kenny Clark and a lot of guys who play really well. And, you know, Aaron Donald plays three technique, but I always try to find you, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. Anytime we play like big time D linemen, I want to make sure I'm making more plays than them. So, you know, Aaron Donald had a lot more TFLs than I did the past week. <laughs> but <clears throat> I lost that matchup. But that kind of gets me going as well. Like, I want to be able to compete and outplay the best D-linemen on each and everybody's D-line that we play. So, um, you know, you got a tone set for your team and be responsible for that. But that's kind of what, you know, my exterior stuff that I want to do. So, The juggernaut and Michael Pierce are going to be – in Green Bay, which right now they're saying is going to be the coldest Vikings-Packers game in the history of the game at Lambeau Field with a high of 9 degrees and a low of 1. And oh, as you warm? already mentioned, it's going to be a night game, so we're most likely going to see the 1 degree and with wind chill going to be below 0. Is, is the juggernaut slash Michael Pierce ready for that? Interesting fact, I think my third year we played in Green Bay. I think it was in December uh, when I was with Baltimore. It was 0 degrees. I ended up catching pneumonia, but I had a really, really good game that game. <laughs> I was on fire. It was the year Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So yep. Brett Hundley was playing. But um Aaron Jones was running the ball and all that good stuff. So um no, I'm 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 good, man. Like I said, for me, especially in the times that we have, like we're fighting for a playoff spot. We have to win this game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I could care less if it's one degrees or not. Like I gotta play ball and I gotta play well. Not only is it Sunday night football, but Everything that we've worked for, if we lose this game, it's over. So um, I, ain't, I ain't worried about the temperature, man. I'll put some sleeves on, some warm skin, and I'll call it a day. I got, I got stuff I need to get accomplished. So that's first and foremost. Yeah, I'll talk about the cold later, but uh, I need to play well. So, well, that was my that. question. I, my question was, were you going to be, you know, Mr. Tough Guy and go no sleeves and just oh. put that warm skin on? Or are you going to do, you're going sleeves, you said? No, no, no. I, I literally caught pneumonia. Like, I was out two, yeah, that was the year I missed two games. Lost Jeez. like 15 pounds in like 10 days. So, nah, pneumonia is nothing to play with, but I do have upper respiratory issues, which would lend to doing that. I did play that game with no sleeves on. So, I'm a... <laughs> circumvent all that <laughs> i'm gonna put the sleeves on and i'm still gonna play well i'm calling now jesus so you hear me and um nah man i'm gonna put the sleeves on this time and uh i'm I, yeah, I, yeah i ain't got nothing to prove bro <laughs> so you, you have played at lambo you didn't play aaron Rodgers, right. and now it's your first time playing aaron Rodgers this season because you missed uh the week 11 matchup that that we played and we won at uh us bank stadium so mm -hmm. With the guy like Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's not like any quarterback. We can't just say, like, you know, it's just it's another guy. We got to do this. Without giving us too much of, you know, what Andre is telling y'all in the room, how, how do you contain him from a defensive line perspective? Obviously, pressure, first and foremost. Anytime you can, you know, apply pressure to those guys. Um, blitzes, he tends to, like, seek them out, like, super, super quick. So mm -hmm. anytime you have a guy who creeps up too early, all that kind of stuff, it's about getting pressure with your front four. Uh, first and foremost, stopping the run so they have to, you know, get to their different stuff. But uh, with Aaron Rodgers, man, it's about getting pressure with your front four. We did a really good job of that in the first game. We didn't have to blitz too much or anything. So it's about winning your one-on-one -on -one up front. And, um, yeah, just trying to disrupt their timing because when they get going, 
we've all seen the real that's been going on for like 15 dang years. <laughs> I don't like to see it, but you know, if you get that guy time and he's on rhythm, him and the plethora of receivers, MVS, all those guys, 17, it's just, it, it'll be nauseating. It'll be a long day for you. So, um, nah, first and foremost, we gotta get pressure with our front four and uh, hit him. You know, mm -hmm. he's talked about his toe being hurt, so he, I'm assuming he won't run or scramble as much. You see those downfield throws where people get open, but um, you know, you never know with this guy. He can, he can come out hot, and if you don't do anything about it, it's gonna be a long day. And like I said before, everybody knows we have a win. So anything we can do to disrupt him, whether it's just guys around his feet, guys in his face, hitting them, sacking them, whatever the case may be, all that stuff has to come into play from the from the get go. Would you would you say that? And you named off a lot of great attributes about Aaron Rodgers and his ability, but would you say that his his pre-snap football intelligence probably ranks him up there with all the elites outside of the physical stuff that he can do just because he can decipher so much of what the defense is going to do before the ball is even snapped. Yeah, definitely. And it was one play I watched our Packers game last the last time from the from the press box and he saw one of our corners blitzing on a very long touchdown. I think the last touchdown he threw, mm -hmm. he just faded back. Like he took the snap, didn't even wait, just started fading back. Somebody got open. And like, you know, Peyton Manning comes to mind when you talk about football intelligence. Um, you know, Andrew Luck was great at that when he was playing. It's a ton of guys who have that, but like, you know, Peyton Manning probably, for my generation, is probably regarded as like the, the most football intelligent, but I'm sure he's, I mean, I'm sure. I know he's right up there. Hadn't played against Peyton, I don't think. No, I haven't. But um, Drew Brees too. But um, no, nah, the dude is just special. And like I said, if somebody is out of place or he recognizes somebody's creeping too early, that's a check and he'll he'll hit you. So um, no, nah, it's, it's really a chess game, especially with those guys in the back end about showing and tipping their disguises and all that kind of stuff. But um, no, nah, uh, everything that you've read in ESPN, Sports Illustrated, all the plethora of articles, it's true. Dude, is, he's a great one. Yeah, he, he, he can play, but it, it always seems like when he, when he plays us, he always has a game where he's just like yeah, a little bit off here or a little bit off here. And hopefully we can continue that up and, and get a third straight win against him. But just, just looking at, you know, being in that Baltimore Steelers rivalry and now in this Green Bay, Minnesota rivalry, any correlations in between like the bad blood between the two teams? Yeah, yeah. No, that was probably, especially being in the building and not playing week 11 or whatever week it was, just like, they had a lot of Packers fans in our building. <laughs> I've never heard people kind of drowned out some of our fans. And that just spoke to like, these people are for real. Like when we in our stadium, you don't hear nothing but skulls and you know, all our chants and all that stuff, but they had a lot of people in the building. And that wasn't even a home game for them. So I heard we travel really well too. So um, no, nah, man, it's one of those great rivalries in football. I was blessed to play in the Steelers ones, but um, especially just the, the significance of this game, it's uh, yeah. you can feel it for sure. Yeah. You can feel it. So um, now the guys are hype. Everybody's upbeat, up tempo. We had a really good practice today, and uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. And um, hopefully, it's one of those historic games that we we end up winning. Yes, sir. Well, that's Michael Pierce. That's Ben Lieber. My name is Gabe Henderson. Mike, thank you again for joining us on this edition of the Audible Man. Good luck in Green Bay on Sunday. My pleasure. Thank y'all for having me. Welcome back to The Audible, presented by Verizon. Gabe Henderson here alongside Ben Lieber in Border Battle number 
23. One, two, three. How do we keep our winning, our winning streak alive against this Packers team and play spoiler to the number one seed Green Bay Packers on Sunday? We obviously saw what happens with the Los Angeles Rams when you give the, an offense of that caliber some balance yeah. and keep you on your heels defensively. So that's first and foremost, right? But if we can generate pressure and we can generate quarterback hits, because I think that's going to be ultra important as well, is for Aaron Rodgers to feel us, to feel our defense all game long. If we can do that with just a four-man rush, mm -hmm. we have a great chance to win this game. You know, I understand that our offense has not always been clicking at certain moments of any game, but in totality, I have a lot more confidence in our offense because we can be productive. We can get some points on the board. You know, we're going to have Dalvin back, it seems like. You know, it does. I, I understand that we're going to miss Adam Thielen again, but we have the weapons on this offense and we have the quarterback to drive the ball down the field. We've shown it against this defense before. I think the way that they, they go into Lambeau Field and, and win this game is our front four defensively mm. have to play outstanding football. They've got to stop the run and they have to generate a pass rush and harass Aaron Rodgers all game long without bringing five and six guys, without having these crazy blitzes, without having Harrison Smith running all over the field, showing, showing one thing, doing another. It's going to come down to those four guys, whatever that rotation is going to be, to be absolute dogs on Sunday night. Yeah, Michael Pierce said that earlier today in, in our interview with him. He basically said to, to stop Aaron Rodgers, your front four has to be really mm -hmm. good. And he prides himself as an interior guy to getting pressure and making Aaron Rodgers get outside of the pocket and hopefully the defensive ends keep him in a pocket re resulting in sacks. Aaron Rodgers does, he does get a little fidgety in the pocket if you put some interior pressure on him. So any way that we can do that, I think that'll be a success for this entire defense. One thing though, is this weather. Michael Pierce even said it. Yeah, he's gonna wear some sleeves or whatnot. But more importantly, the last time he went to Lambeau in 2017, he got pneumonia just based off of how cold it was. How much of a factor do you think this weather is gonna be on Sunday? Well, it's definitely gonna be a factor. I mean, it's gonna affect the passing game a little bit. That's why everybody stereotypically likes to run the football a little bit more. So I think the team that that does dominate the run game has has the best chance to win this game. And, and I just loved uh, when we asked Pierce just, is the juggernaut going to come out in sleeves, no <laughs> sleeves? And he goes, hey, man, no, no reason to be Mr. Tough Guy. I'm wearing, he's wearing <laughs> sleeves. Just like you said, he's got pneumonia the last time. He learned his lesson. But you got to be, <laughs> be comfortable out there on the field. So if, if, I, if I had to do it all over again, I'd be rocking a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> I would be rocking a hoodie. Uh, you know, the thickest gloves I could um, that didn't inhibit my ability to shed blocks and stuff like that. <laughs> I would take his approach as well. Well, one person that's really going to have to to step up this week, and it is my matchup to watch, is Christian Derisaw. He gave up two sacks to uh, Preston Smith. And Preston Smith had, I think, three tackles for a loss in a hurry also. And I'm, I'm always a guy on a, a comeback story of how a person bounces back when they didn't have the performance that they wanted to in the previous game. And I think for this offense to be successful, Derisaw has to protect Kirk's blind side. This mm -hmm. is a guy that I'm sure if you watch the film – they're probably saying, okay, well, we're going to send all of our blitzes to that side because they have a perennial all-pro right tackle in Brian O'Neill. So I think this might, if this Vikings team is going to try to make a playoff push, the offensive line across the board, especially the left tackle position, is going to have to anchor for Kirk's backside. You are playing a division opponent in which one of their individual guys bested you in the first time. Mm -hmm. Now, you're a, you're a young cat. You still have a lot to learn about yourself. You still probably learn the, the nuances of the offense, the blocking schemes, and all that stuff. This is now the scouting report within the scouting report. All right, I did this well against him last time. He got me on this. Well, why? 
What, why, what happened on those plays? What can I do better? And this is where the personal development comes in. He has all the film yep. of, the, of their last game. I'm sure he's studying it. I'm sure that he realizes that you know, Preston's showing some, some stuff in the last few games as well that maybe he didn't see the first time. Yep. So he's going to have to start adding all, all this up, put it in his mental Rolodex. And if he wants to develop into an elite left tackle, these are the matchups that you have to learn from and dominate the next time you see that person. Yeah, Preston Smith has six sacks, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries in his last six games. So Christian Darisaw, I'm sure he's up for the challenge, but more importantly, who's your matchup to watch? Our guys on the edges are going to have to be great against the run, way more stout against the run, not get pushed laterally and open up seams and gaps. They're going to have to transition off a play-action pass. They're going to have to you know, pin the ears back and drop back pass, and they're going to have to showcase themselves a yep. little bit. Those guys are going to have to show out. You know, you look at two games ago, and we were all applauding DJ Wanham for his, his three-sack performance. He's got to go out and bounce back off of that game and the game that he had last week where he was ineffective and showcase himself as a true pass rusher, not just a hustle guy, a true pass rusher. So he himself, along with the other defensive ends, have to have a big game. The last time we played the Packers, Billy Turner, the right tackle, was playing. Their starting right tackle was playing. And Elton Jenkins, who was the backup for David Bakhtiari, he was playing. Both of those guys are out. So they have their bursting left tackle and second string right tackle playing. So you would expect DJ Wanham to have a bounce back game against some guys that are still trying to find, find their way and figure things out because I feel like this can be a confidence booster game for him. And I think a guy that's going to bring this team a lot of confidence is Dalvin Cook. He's my player who I think is going to just have a big game. The Vikings have won every game in this rivalry when he has a receiving and a rushing touchdown both in the same game. Yeah, they have, you know, they're, they're really fast. They run to the ball, but they're, it has been shown, including last week against the Cleveland Browns, that they are prone to missing tackles. They missed 10 or 11 tackles last week against the Browns. And I'm sure Dalvin Cook is saying, okay, like they've never been able to stop me. Get me the ball in space and let me just have a day. And I think that is going to be the recipe for success for our offense and opening up everything for everybody down the field. You know, the last two games that Dalvin's played at Lambeau Field, he averaged 158 yards mm-hmm. on the ground. So, I mean, he's, he's absolutely just shredding their defense, even at their place. And, yeah, they might bottle him up a couple runs here yeah. and there. But he'll break one. That's all you need. He, he's got that home run ability. So, I'm, I'm with you. I think Dalvin's got to have a big game. Got to have a big game receiving the ball as well. I don't want to see him come off the field. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like if it, I mean, we're, we are 10 and one when Dalvin Cook has 25 plus carries. When the Vikings have ran the ball 25 plus times this season, we're seven and two. We're 0 and six when we run for 24 or less rush attempts in the game. So clearly there's a, there's some, some stats to prove why running the ball is effective and why we will need it to, to come out on top this week. But who's your guy? That she thinks we'll have a big game on Sunday. Well, my my guys that I think that sh- that I'm hoping that have big games. It's going to have to come down to Amir Smith, Marset, you know, KJ Osborne. Those two guys are going to have to. They're going to have to step up. They got. They have to have big games. Got you to. know, you, you can't. It's they're saying the same thing. You know, every, week in and week out, they they know that Devonte is going to get special attention on on certain down and distances, critical situations, third down stuff like that. So they need their receivers, Lazard and and MVS to step up. Well, same thing for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we could always rely on on Adam to be, you know, a third down playmaker when he when he need to be, a red zone playmaker when he need to be. You know, KJ especially after that drop last week, and I'm, I am going to put that on him. The the drop in the end zone that led to an interception. He's got to bounce back. Yeah. He's got to bounce back and have a big game. 
ISM has to have, have a, a good game. I know he's got limited experience, but he has to step up when the team needs him the most. So um, it can't always come down to Dalvin and Jefferson and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I'm sure Kenny McCardo, Vikings wide receiver coach, has those guys in the jugs machines all week. I mean, it's going to be a long week, and we're going to count on those guys a lot to, to make some plays down the field. And every catch counts, every run counts, and, of course, on the scoreboard, every point counts. And we hope the Vikings have more points than the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. But, Ben... Um, one more episode of this. Yeah. So crazy. One more episode, and you know it'll be uh, it'll be our first episode of 2022. Yeah. Happy. You know year. there might be there might be a long gap from that game to the next one in 2022. Yeah. But I do want to say uh, it's been a heck of a year in 2021. Uh, it's just, this has been awesome. I hate that we only have one more after this, but yeah. um, you know let's let's end 2021 on a good note and get a oh. win at Lambeau. Well, we started on a good note, January 3rd, 2021, beating the Detroit Lions, even though that was last season. So let's end 2021 with another win. And guys, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Audible. The Audible is presented by Verizon with 5G built right for the Vikings. Minnesota can scream, stream, and share every play in Verizon 5G quality. Vikings fans, you can listen to that game right here on the Vikings radio network, KFN 100.3 at 725. For Ben Lieber, Michael Pierce, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you again for tuning in to another edition of The Audible.